This is the EPFR Exchange Podcast. All opinions expressed by Cam, Todd, and our podcast guests are solely of their own opinion and do not reflect the opinion of EPFR. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for investment decisions. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the EPFR Exchange Podcast. It's your host, Kirsten Longbottom, and Director of Research, Cameron Brandt. We'll walk you through the data EPFR tracks and what themes we're looking at for the upcoming weeks. Cam, um, what's your rose and thorn from last week? <laughs> well, it was uh, it was a different week. Certainly, the data was signaling that uh, a significant number of people had switched to glass half full um, uh, approach, and were sort of looking beyond the uh, you know next two rate hikes from the ECB, which they've delivered, and the Fed, which I think people are pretty sure will deliver. Uh, to the point where inflation rolls over, uh, unfortunately, probably propelled by recession in various corners of the world, and those central banks have the the cover they need to start easing back. Um, so you know, we saw bond funds snap a nine-week inflow streak. We saw uh, you know the biggest uh, flows into equity funds uh, sort of in in nearly four months um high yield bond funds seeing some fresh money um some very you know if, if you believe the headlines some very counterintuitive flows into technology sector funds so yeah it definitely had a different note to it so i guess the the rose would be that people are starting to look at at things with the a more glass half full approach and maybe the thorn is that there's still a lot going on in in the markets that that's taking a toll I guess um, so let's start with that kind of noteworthy figure bond funds snapped a nine week uh, outflow streak that saw um, I believe 70 billion flow out so Obviously, there's some expectations in terms of central banks making moves, like you mentioned. Um, the Bank of Japan announced that it'll make changes in the way that it buys exchange-traded funds. Canada raised their interest rates by 50 basis points, and the ECB hiked theirs by 75 basis points, which is relatively high for them. Um, how do you view the pace of monetary tightening right now? In relative terms, it's pretty aggressive, um, but the Fed has certainly, I think, made the calculation that um, it's better to front load it while the economy is fairly strong. Uh, I think it's somewhat different for the ECB. I think the inflation readings they've been getting have, have somewhat forced their hand, um, and uh you know, they continue to operate with the, the shadow over their shoulder of what happens to economies like it, Italy, uh, Greece, and, and even Spain when borrowing costs really start to, to rise. Um, but, uh, you know, it's, it's still certainly my opinion and my sense that uh, in all, uh, they're all hoping that they can get to the off-ramp sooner rather than later. Um, you know, increasingly, price stability is only one of the sort of responsibilities that are laid at central bank doors and, and, and which they've taken on board, I think. So, 
Um, you know, the, and the ECB is, is still kind of uh, carries the flag raised by Mario Draghi of doing doing what it takes to hold the eurozone together. So, um, the moment, of course, is how sticky inflation is is going to be. Um, and the fact that uh, China's Communist Party Congress ended with um, you know, such an emphatic endorsement of, of Xi Jinping's uh, zero COVID policy, which, as we know, is certainly hurting the supply chains that come out of there, um, you know, uh, isn't sort of a, some, uh, some, a check in the, in the good box. And how is this all kind of translating into fund flows that we track? Is Are we seeing investors go towards more inflation-protected uh, funds? A good question. Um, the, the answer is not really. They're avoiding inflation-protected funds. You know, another thread in the narrative that uh, a significant number of them see the, the rolling over point uh, coming sooner than um, some of the experts. Um, and I think uh, increasingly, though, in pockets, we're sort of seeing people, t- you know, take the opportunity um, angle. Uh, you know, a lot of assets have been pretty aggressively sold off. Um, and while it's debatable whether they've been sold off enough, in sort of the case of, say, something like Facebook, um, you know, in general, um, if you, if, you know, if you can keep your head, there's there's some some interesting uh, opportunities there. Uh, I think the other thing that's hap- happening is that there, you know, f- for the first time really in over a decade, the investment landscape promises some yield, and we're certainly seeing some of the flows positioned there. Uh, a lot of interest in sort of short-term sovereign U.S. debt, um, though dividend equity funds in. Interestingly, snap their inflow streak in this past week. In general, you know, people are are sort of looking for the opportunities where they can sort of buy into a bit of income down the road. We've seen uh, real estate sector funds continue to uh, attract fresh money, maybe less than they might have in more optimistic times, but people are not sort of saying, oh, no, mortgage rates are going to kill kill this time to get out. Uh, you know, a certain amount of the money that goes into that sector chases real, real estate investment trusts, which, you know, funnel rental income into streams that um, they can tap into. So, so yeah, so, um, <laughs> you know, more pursuit of opportunity than you might expect. Well, you briefly touched on China and technology as well. So are semiconductors the universe within tech that's receiving the most attention or, or seeing the biggest opportunity? Uh, well, again, another another interesting issue and one that I can't sort of give, uh, unfortunately, the sort of clear five-second response to. If you look at country flows at the, or, or flows to sort of dedicated country funds at the moment, you could argue they're definitely favoring the major semiconductor producers, you know, China equity funds, Taiwan equity funds, Korea equity funds, U.S. equity funds, uh, and even Japan, uh, a little less consistently, all have been taking in pretty consistent inflows. And, you know, that 
really covers a large chunk of the global semiconductor production. But when you dive into um, technology sector funds, uh, though a few weeks back we were seeing the flows sort of favor semi funds that were sort of specialized towards semiconductors, uh, that sort of focus has broken up uh, in the past few weeks. Uh, this past week, uh, it seemed to be uh, funds dedicated to China, China's tech story. Um, and, uh, you know, again, that sort of flies a little bit in the face of the conventional narrative. But uh, on the other hand, uh, China has clearly indicated that their policy goal is to make the domestic tech industry stronger, um, you know, also more subordinate to the sort of national policy goals. Um, and while, you know, you can certainly argue that that's not actually a recipe for innovation, it's also a clear signal that, you know, the existing big players in the space uh, can count on, on the Chinese government having their back in a very real sense. Um, and it's not too, so it's not too hard to work out who the winners in the China tech space are over the next five years. So I think there's some positioning towards that going on. Okay, interesting. I guess the last thing we'll we'll touch on. So in the Global Navigator this week, you charted the comparison and flows between leveraged three times funds and U.S. hedge funds. What does this tell us about investor sentiment? It tells us that um, people don't feel they need to stretch quite as far to you know, uh, benefit from the sort of dynamics in the market. Um, so, I mean, I think in general, it's it's a, a positive signal that, um, you know, again, enough people are thinking, you know, the sell-off has gone to the point where we are, are likely to be able to ride the more conventional vehicles back up. Um, so, but on there, you know, there are people who take a much more contrarian approach, and they may well be looking at that and saying, "Oh, oh. <laughs> the bread bread and butter crowd are moving back in, and this this could be bad for us." So anyway, I, you know, I should ask you. You've just come back from London, which has has been living through exciting economic times thanks to poor old Liz Truss's last gasp effort to sort of make <laughs> free markets uh, <laughs> the centerpiece, uh, which didn't last very long. So you know, what, what did you pick up over there? I think the things that people mentioned to me the most was obviously politics, like you just mentioned as well as the dollar to pound comparison, um, the dollar to euro comparison as well. Um, you know, nice for me to go over there, but not so nice for them to go on vacation to the US. Um, so I think that's definitely on the forefront of people's minds. But um, in general, I think there wasn't too much fear, but um, I'm, I'm was more kind of gauging what the interest for the remainder of the year it was in terms of EPFR and kind of what our strategic plans are. So that was that was exciting. <laughs> right. Which, well, they're important, aren't really going to move the needle very much for the UK as a whole. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah, I think next week we'll probably be talking about Brazil, given that the razor thin margin of victory for the challenger there um and i suspect that uh you know the aftershocks from the 
Chinese Communist Party Congress and Yi's fifth term will continue to ripple through. Uh, um, you know, the, the lockdowns continue to come thick and fast. So, and maybe a decision from the Fed potentially <laughs> this week, right? Yes. Uh, well, I think in some ways we'll only be talking about that if it's not seventy-five basis points. You know, if it's more or less, then then we'll be that that will be <laughs> sort of worth chewing over. Yeah. Definitely. Definitely. All right. Well, lots to talk about, I guess. So (laughs) good. Yeah. And we will. We will. All right. See you next week. Bye. Thanks for listening to the EPFR Exchange podcast. For more information or to suggest a topic for a future podcast, please visit epfr.com slash podcast. 